All right, thanks for chatting with someone else. If you want to find your seat, we're going to keep moving here. Good morning, everybody. My name is Drew. I'm the pastor here at Hope Community Church in Columbia Heights. We're glad that you're at Hope Heights today. Uh, it's good to see all of you. Uh, I'm excited to, to get to open the word with you today, and uh, I'm excited. Uh, a little sneak preview. We're going to get to hear from Josh, who's helping lead worship today, uh, hear a little bit of his story today, uh, which I'm really excited about. I'm always really encouraged by hearing from him, and so I, I wanted all of you to get to hear from him. Uh, we'll get there just in a little bit. A couple uh, important things here, just to let you know about, we're uh, almost at the end of our, se- our summer series. Uh, we got one more week. Next week, Jared will share with us about glory, um, and then we're going to start a series this fall. We're going to be taking an opportunity to spend some weeks looking at how we were made for God uh, through our identities and gender and sex. And so we'll get an opportunity to talk about um, some things and also an opportunity just to even think, I was just talking to someone this morning about uh, just the opportunity to think, like, how do we talk to each other? What does it look like uh, to talk in a manner that even is love, even if we disagree? And so we get an opportunity to think about that and how do we love each other really well uh, and see what God has for us and uh, what God made us for. And uh, it's for God. Big, big reveal there. Uh, but that's coming up this fall. We're looking forward to that. Encourage you to be praying for that. And that'll start in just a few weeks here. Um, another thing, uh, as we're talking about stories, that's really important is to understand the story of even the city you're in. And one of the co- cool things here at Hope is Paul Stiver. Um, many of you have met Paul. He's an elder and uh, he's our church planting resident pastor in training. <laughs> I forget his new title. Uh, but Paul is uh, on track to plant a church or a location here at Hope. And he developed a tour as he learned with a few of us about some important uh, places in the Twin Cities. He developed an actual tour. We could kind of take a field trip for a few hours and drive around and see specifically uh, historical landmarks in Twin Cities and specifically ones uh, that are connected to people of color and a lot of, of the black church in the Twin Cities. It's a really great tour and really impactful because you, you're together with people and you get to go to these spots and talk about uh, some really hard history and some really great history uh, in the church. I, I, I think it's fantastic. And so if you'd like to go on that, that's open to everyone. And so if you're interested in that, you can sign up for that on our app or on our website um, the Gospel and Race Tour. There's also lots of other LDI opportunities on there, but this is one that's just an afternoon. I know even some hopesters uh, from Heights here already signed up. That's just an afternoon here on September 18th that we can uh, gather and, and do that together. So I'd love for you to have that opportunity to hear a little bit of that story and uh, be impacted by that together. Um, another part of our story here at Hope Heights is that we met online a lot. So some of you who've been around for a few years now uh, might remember this. Some of you have no idea if you're new to us, but for the first year of our existence, we planted our location here, uh, and we only met a few times over next door at Highland, and then we went online for over a year, and so really the kind of foundation, the beginning of our story uh, is an interesting one, because we met during a pandemic online, so many of you tuned in uh, to my living room, and uh, on March, I think it was 22nd, let me look this up, was our first service 2020, was online, and we didn't know what to do. And so Kelly and I and our roommate Brian, uh, if anyone remembers this, sang songs in our house and talked at you through the screen and kept doing that for a long time. And and many, many people uh, in this room and part of our church made that possible. It was a thing that 
uh, took our whole church really to, from shooting video to editing video to sharing stories. We had many, many stories shared, people praying, uh, and it really was a foundation to our church, and, and we did it. We made it. Uh, and then we started meeting in person here, and we found a way to use an iPad in the back of the room. It's pretty fancy. And we <laughs> to live stream our service, and uh, we continued live streaming uh, for the last almost two and a half years now. We've had a live broadcast of our service, which wasn't in our plan. When we planned to launch a church, we didn't say, let's make sure we have a live stream. We were just like, let's hope people show up together uh, in a school gym. And, uh, but it became something that really is a little part of our identity. Um, and so and it really served it, its purpose well. And so as people in the last year and a half uh, slowly came back to meet in person here in the auditorium and people um, were continuing to stay home for health reasons and all, all sorts of things, we're able to have that. And we're really thankful for that. Um, and uh, just so you're all aware, today is our last day of our live stream. So if you're watching, probably not because we haven't really had people watching, but if you are watching uh, on there, hey, uh, this is the last time you can live stream it. Um, so we just wanted you to be aware of it, but we also want to take a second just to kind of celebrate. It really has been a part of our, uh, of our church, uh, maybe a little more than... Uh, an established church because of how much it was part of our, our beginning. And so uh, we just want to like thank God and thank all of you for being a part of that. And it's our last live stream, but that doesn't mean there isn't a service. We uh, still continue as we always have. We have uh, access to our sermons on the website and on our app. Um, and we have a podcast that you can subscribe to. So that still is happening. People can still hear that. And you can get that um, usually by Monday. That's up and, and ready to go. So just wanted you to be aware of that in case you uh, become ill next week and you hop on and you're like, Where, where's the live stream? It doesn't exist. So <laughs> that's where it is. We're thankful for all you. I'm just, I'm just gonna pray. It seems like a, it's, it's an odd thing. Uh, I told someone I think I was gonna pray for this and they're like, that's weird to pray for a live stream. But God did a lot of things through uh, technology that we didn't expect. Uh, and so we're just gonna pray and thank God for what he's done through that um, as we continue here in our service. Lord, thank you for... Uh, your goodness through something we didn't plan, which seems to happen a lot. Um, and thank you that you use technology, cameras and the internet and um, Facebook to help people connect to our church. There's people in the room who found us through that. And um, we pray you continue to use uh, technology to bring you glory and to connect people to real people um, in person and, and that more people could come and sing with us and worship with us and connect to our community through that. Um, just thank you for all you've done and for all those who've made that possible. Amen. So those are kind of two parts of our stories, right? We get to hear the story of our city. This is part of our story here at Hope. Um, a little maybe more than average. And we are this summer going through the story of the Bible using about 16 verses throughout scripture, 16 important kind of moments, milestones throughout the story of scripture to remember the big story of scripture and really where it all goes. And so we've gone through all these from creation to humans being created and who's Abraham and, and Judah and why is there a Passover lamb, all these moments in scripture to try to see the bigger picture so we didn't lose sight of, of what God was doing from when he created people to when they turned away from him to when, when Christ has come and redeemed us. And we just, in the last few weeks, got to the end of the story here where Jesus is born and all these things are fulfilled and someone actually finally came, a good king and the perfect lamb and has redeemed and rescued God's people. 
willing to die on a cross in people's place and be resurrected. And so last week we celebrated, uh, two weeks in a row, we celebrated the death of Jesus only because there is a resurrection we can celebrate. Um, those are my little fireworks there. We got really excited about the resurrection. And we talked about the power that comes from the cross and the resurrection. And I kind of use three terms. These come from Charles Spurgeon. Uh, three of the powers that come from the resurrection. One is the receipt of power. Last week we talked about how important it is to just know that we have this, the resurrection itself is a thing we can look back to over and over again as a God who overcame death, a God who's powerful enough, evidence and proof for us, and proof to those opposed to Christ, Satan, his schemes, when they approach us to say, no, 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 I have a receipt. Jesus has risen from the dead and has power. And today we're talking about the justifying power um, of it, the life-giving, wrath-absorbing, making right power that comes from it. And next week, Jared will share about glory is our last stop. And uh, Spurgeon called it the consoling power, that one day God will return and that there's something about knowing that death no longer gets the last word that changes us. But today we're on the justifying power. We're looking at uh, the word is justification on our, on our uh, little timeline there. And we're actually going to look at justifying and sanctifying and glorifying powers to come next week. But this justifying, sanctifying, maybe these are words you've heard before in church, maybe not. We'll define them here in a, in a moment. But ultimately what they tell us is that this is when we enter into the story. And so when, when us, right, our, the church family, when you enter into the story, when, when all of a sudden this just doesn't become, it could feel kind of abstract or, or old or like far off. Those things happened far away a long time ago. This is when the story really gets personal and we enter this story. And this also becomes our story as well as God's story. And two of the big things, the two big words that we're going to use today are justification and sanctification and what those mean. So real quick, we're going to look at those, and then we're going to hear a little bit of how that has played out in the life of another hopester. Josh is going to come up and share. And so our passage, our verse for today is from Romans. It's a longer one, but it's going to talk about this justification. Justification is kind of a moment. It's when this exchange happens where Christ takes our, the wrath that we deserved, the penalty that we should have from our sin, from turning from God, that forever and ever and ever people had experienced that since the fall, this penalty, this wage that was deserved to them, he took that and he exchanged with us this goodness, this life that we have. And so it's this moment when we were justified before God made right. And so from Romans 3 we hear, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. So it's, it's saying the righteousness, the rightness with God, us being made right with God has been made known and it's been testified, it's been told through the law and the prophets, through all this Old Testament that we've been looking at. This, right, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So how do we get right with God? We have faith in the work that Jesus has done. We believe that. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. This, this clarifies for us, this might not hit because hit real hard because this isn't a cultural thing as much for us, but there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Those words mean like God's people and not God's people. And it's saying there's no difference now. 
all people can be saved. They were sinners. They were far from God, turning from God, and Jesus has made them right, justifying them through his grace, this free gift. A lot of church words in this passage. But ultimately, right, we were sinners, everyone, and all of us now are saved through grace, this gift that Jesus has given us through his death. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. So Christ died. That's how this happened, his death, his shedding of his blood. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So there were sins that that we committed that needed to be punished. This wrath was supposed to come and Jesus steps in front of it and takes the wrath. And that's what justification is, right? This is a real foundational kind of belief and understanding of the Christian faith. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Christ. There's a lot of big words in there. What helped me in this passage is to read a different translation of this. This is from the message as we share this, written by Eugene Peterson. He writes this, uh, it's called a paraphrased translation of the Bible. So he reads like a whole chunk of the Bible and then kind of in his own words retells it. So actually even in the message, it doesn't have verses, just has like a series of verses, right? But I think this might give you a little, another flavor of this. It says, But in our time, something new has been added. What Moses and the prophets witnessed to all those years has happened. The God setting things right. I like that word, the hyphen. God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. That explains the whole summer. All these stories of us waiting for God to set things right has come and it's Jesus that's done it. And not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there is no difference between us and them in this. This is for everyone. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and prove that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us, God did it for us. It's a great explanation of what happened, right? That's justification. Because we have (laughs) compiled a long and sorry record as sinners. We've continued to turn from God, not, not been the people God created us to be, proved that we are utterly incapable of living this glorious life. God didn't just leave us and go like, well, you should have you worked harder, done better. But he came himself and, and, and lived that life. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. There's the gospel, right? He did it by, we were stuck. We were in a mess. We couldn't restore things and God came and rescued us. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin. Having faith in him sets us in the clear. God decided on this course of action in full view of the public to set the world in clear with uh, in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus, finally taking care of the sins he had so patiently endured. This is not only clear, but it's now. This is current history. God sets things right. He also makes it possible for us to live in his rightness. I like how he puts that. This feels like I'm sitting with a friend and he's just getting excited. This is happening right now to us. If you need maybe even a, a, a shorter explanation of justification, this might've been the one we could have picked. It's a lot shorter. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness 
of God. The one who wasn't sinful became sin so that we could be right. The one who was righteous became sinful so we could be right. Martin Luther uh, calls it, they actually, often people call it that Martin Luther called it the great exchange. There actually isn't that language used, but he does call it something I think is better. He said, that is the mystery which is rich in divine grace to sinners, wherein by a wonderful exchange, I think that's even better. Wonderful exchange, our sins are no longer ours, but Christ's and the righteousness of Christ, not Christ's, but ours. This exchange happens, right? He has emptied himself of his righteousness that we might he might clothe us with it and fill us with it. He has taken our evils upon himself that he might deliver us from them. In the same manner, he has grieved and suffered in our sins and has confounded. In the same manner, we rejoice and glory in his righteousness. Martin Luther talks a lot about this, but this great exchange that happens, we were given this gift and Christ took on our sin. So that's, that's what righteousness looks like. It looks like if you ever exchanged anything at a lunch table. Anyone ever have this experience? The old lunchroom trade? Maybe you get a brownie and they get carrots, you know, and you think that was a good exchange. I had a moment in third grade where I had the ultimate exchange. I exchanged half a bag, you might have heard of this, this is probably on the news. Um, I exchanged half a bag of plain Lay's potato chips, which are the worst of potato chips, sorry but they, they're just salty. You ready for this? For an entire complete, still sealed pack of Nutty Bars. <laughs> Is that, that's gotta be the, the greatest exchange in lunchroom history. I remember having to clarify saying, are you sure you understand what's happening here? Because I even felt bad. I'm like, this just doesn't seem right. No, but he wanted half a bag of plain potato chips for Nutty Bars. This is the holy grail of lunchroom snacks. Oh, all right, maybe there's an even better way to explain this. This is Jesus. <laughs> it's a transition that's never happened in the history of the church from Nutty Bars to Jesus. There's a story where Jesus is approached by a leper. And so you have to understand what a leper is. A leper is uh, literally diseased. They're an outcast. No one can touch them. They're, they're outside the culture and society. They, people walk away from them. People even yell if they're close to them. If you, if you, hear, you might hear people yelling unclean before you see a leper. I mean, that's like everyone's on guard. This person's out. They're far away. They're gross. They're messy. They're just literally falling apart. Their body is falling apart. They're sick. They need healing. And this leper approaches Jesus People say, hey, Jesus, you can't touch lepers. They're really messed up and diseased and broken and they're falling apart. I mean, they're, they're literally walking themselves to death. And he comes to a leper and he embraces them and heals them. Now, in that moment, Jesus doesn't like take on leprosy, but it's not long after that that he takes on death on a cross, walks himself up a hill and is murdered on a cross that's the image I want us to, to see here. Justification is this incredible gift because we are falling apart. We're diseased. We're outcasts. We're just moving towards death and Christ gives us life and he himself takes our place in that death. So we move now towards healing and embrace and a family rather than being an outcast. This is an incredible 
thing that God has given us. And this is our story. This is the story that we now get to enter into. So this happens, life, we have this exchange. It's incredible, it's encouraging. We know that that might be if you've had an encounter with Christianity, you grew up in the church or you've been around hope, you've heard that a lot, right? This, this incredible thing happens. This is a thing that we can look to each day. You can wake up and be reminded that God has given you life and it would change who you are. It fills you and encourages you. Martin Luther said, right, it, it fills you and heals you. And, but then what does life look like that happens? That's a thing, a moment. And then, then what happens? Well, that's what, where the word sanctification comes in because there's life kind of after that exchange. That exchange continues to really happen, but what happens then, and this is the word, the word sanctification, which is the process, this, this walking with Jesus now until the day he returns. This is this pathway. And so this is what I want us to think about now, not just justification, but these dots, right? As we join in God's story and we hop right in there, what does it look like to be in God's family, in his church, to be his people? Jackie Hill Perry describes sanctification. I like, I like how she says it. I like how she says a lot of things. He begins in us a sanctification process, a beautiful miracle in which God enters in and starts turning the heart into the cathedral it was intended to be. That great picture. We don't just sit back and expect great fruitfulness to come from minimal zeal. We work alongside God to act the miracle of sanctification into its grandest potential. So there's this life now that we join God. She's actually referring to, she's talking about this passage in Philippians. Um, It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We could just stop there. This makes it sound like, right? Uh, right before this, in, in Philippians, she, it shares how we should love one another. And then it says, like Jesus, and then it shares the gospel, who came, uh, stepped down from his throne, became nothing, died even on a cross. Right? This explains the gospel. And then it says, okay, friends, now I want you to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If we just stop there, then it sounds like, so Jesus does this exchange and we come to Christ. And then now we just work really hard to keep that. We gotta be careful with her, right? And it continues though. It says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is one of those cool passages where it feels like it's saying two things. It kind of is. Continue to work out your salvation. So we're supposed to join him like we're working on our salvation. Not actually, it's not actually saying we're working like to keep it. It's not like, okay, God's gonna take back his gift. But it's saying, we want you to continue to move and work for God who is, is gonna keep working in you to fulfill his good purpose. So what does that look like, right? Because this gets, this gets hard, because what does that mean then to be sanctified? There's something that I kind of do, and there's a lot that God does. I think we get a really cool picture of this in the book of Hebrews. Because sometimes in, in my life, I just, I just um, create what I think that's supposed to look like. I don't actually necessarily look to scripture or what God wants. I just go like, okay, well, he must mean like, Drew, keep being a nice person and then I'll keep giving you stuff. Or like keep going to church and I'll keep giving you stuff. Well, there's actually a, we do get instructions on what our work is in this process and what God's work is in this process. And we hear this in the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, we hear this list of people who um, are like heroes of the faith. 
They call it a great cloud of witnesses. People like Abraham and Moses, these people we've heard stories about this summer. And they celebrate like their great success. And their great success isn't that they were really awesome people. The list is a list of people who have been very faithful to God, who actually put faith in God and actually in a way put faith in Christ before even knowing who Christ was. Just knowing we have a God who's gonna be faithful to us, who's gonna continue to work in us and he's gonna make things right. He's gonna rescue us. And so it says we celebrate Abraham's faith and Moses' faith and Rahab's faith. And then in chapter 12, it gives us I think a picture of what sanctification and what our life looks like, what our story is gonna look like and does look like. This is what I often have to look at to be reminded of that. So it says, so of all these people, we celebrate their faith. They had faith in what God was gonna do, that he was the one making things right. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What, what does that look like? Fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. This passage, what does it look like now? We've been justified. Sanctification looks like us. It looks like running a race and a race where we fix our eyes on Jesus and we just keep moving towards Jesus. We just keep running this race. Our story is of us together running towards Jesus. Kicking sin off, kicking those things off that entangle us, they're trying to hold us back. The schemes of the devil, our own flesh that's saying, you should run after this other thing. Maybe we find ourselves growing weary or losing heart. And so, so what's the solution? It says just consider Jesus, keep looking to Jesus. Keep running, looking to him. And then it, we're doing this together. And so maybe you're, we're, we're taking the wrong road. We kind of get distracted. And all of a sudden we realize like we're not with, this, with everyone else. We need someone to grab us and pull us back on. Or maybe we're twisting our ankle. And so we're just limping along and we need someone to grab a hold of us. Maybe we're just exhausted and thirsty and we need those others to give us something to drink. This is what sanctification looks like. It looks like we're on a road running together towards Jesus, and our job is to keep putting our faith in Jesus and keep moving towards him. Our job isn't to save ourselves, because if God already did that, our job isn't even necessarily to, to, to change our hearts. We're not changing our hearts or our friends' hearts, but ours is to keep moving towards Jesus and keep grabbing those around us to do this. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. We don't necessarily graduate to like the next level of Christianity, when I was early in my faith, I often thought, okay, I'm a Christian now, and if I like read enough Bible, and if I go to the right studies, I'll keep graduating, I'll become like a second lieutenant in the church, and then eventually I'll be the admiral of the Christian army, right? And then, and then everything will be awesome. I, I really thought like, oh man, there's that old guy at church who's like 40, he's so old, and he's got it all, look, he's He's married, he's got kids, he's got it all together. He's just such a perfect Christian. I can't wait to get there. Not knowing that like he, he's sitting there going, oh man, remember when I didn't have kids and a wife and it felt so easy to follow Jesus. Not realizing like it, we just keep running. We're gonna trip, 
We're gonna fall. We're gonna have some times where we're very weary. We keep going. The goal is to, to end the race with Jesus is the goal. Not necessarily become the second lieutenant of the Christian army or whatever. We gotta keep looking. So that, that's what it looks like. Now, now next week, Jared's gonna share with us this great glory, right? This great, what it does look like when that race is finished, Jesus comes back, he makes things right. We're running towards something incredible. Really what all of our souls desire, we're running towards that perfection and everything being right, made right. But right now, that's what we're doing together. We're running, that's why we're like a messy group of sinners who gather every week because we remind ourselves through singing and a sermon and gathering, just remind ourselves, oh, we gotta keep looking to Jesus. We gotta keep looking to Jesus. And so we just keep running this race together. So sanctification is us working out our salvation, not working for it, but working it out, continuing each day to go, Jesus is the one, is the one who brings me life. He's the one who will satisfy my soul and we run to him. So I hope we like to talk about um, how this is really what we do. So if, you, if we filter what we do, we've said this many times, we filter what we do or why we have something, we say, oh, it's the gospel in community that's on mission. So we believe this good news, this gospel, which is a story of who we are. And we wanna do that with people. We weren't created to do that alone. We wanna be in community with others, right? Even as we run this race, but then we are on a mission. We are moving towards Christ. And as we move towards Christ, we wanna gather others to hear the good news, to know that there is hope, that, that God is making things right. And also just caring well for each other. We use the, the imagery of even overflowing, right? As God fills us, as we continue to be sanctified and fills us, we overflow to those around us the love of Christ, the peace of Christ, the joy that comes with Christ. And so this is the kind of the, the way, what the race looks like. We continue to gather on the gospel and we do it together and we do it on a mission together to bring light into the world, to bring love to people, to live by truth and grace, to share this good news. I think this last uh, mission part sometimes uh, can feel really scary if, if you're thinking about ever sharing your faith. It's a thing also that early in my faith, I often thought was like, uh, I needed to read more, have the right technique. I uh, had a season in my life where I was the guy who tried to, um, like manipulates probably the right word, anything around it. I'd say like, oh, cool, man, you got new shoes? Those are cool, I got shoes, I walk in them. How's your walk with the Lord? And they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, let me tell you about Jesus. Would you like to pray? And they would say, no, <laughs> you're, you're strange. Uh, can we just have a conversation and you not somehow turn it into somehow like a conversation about Jesus that, that doesn't make sense? And, and slowly learning that part of, of uh, just helping people hear the good news is helping them hear this good story. The good news is just this story of who God is and and because our stories merge with that story, learning to just be honest and share your story is so important. And one of the people, many of you do this well, I'm encouraged so often by hearing it. Uh, one of the people who do, does this often though when I talk to him is Josh. Uh, Josh, if you wanna come up. Josh leads our worship and we've known each other for a, a while now. Josh is a person who just hearing like him share about his story often encourages me to wanna keep running the race. And last week, we were talking about this and he was talking about how important it is that we share our stories. And so I thought, let's have Josh come and you can meet him a little bit and also hear about this. So here, I got you a stool, Josh. I also made you a special slide. You ready for this? There you go. 
make sure you sit in the right spot there. We don't want anyone to. We don't want anyone to. Uh, good work. You figured it out. This feels a little more. It's just you and me. We're just hanging out in my living room here. Um, uh, I was really excited. Josh last week came up to me, and we were talking about the resurrection and last week, and uh, and he just shared a story about work. And it made me think, wow, this is so encouraging, I think, for our church, not only to hear his story, which we'll hear a little bit in a second, but also to hear how he thinks about his story really blesses me and challenges me. And I was hoping today it would do the same for us. So why don't you start with maybe a little quick story. It started actually last week. Um, you said, maybe I'll, we'll, we'll act this out. You said someone at work asked you, hey, how did you ever get to Minnesota? And you had told me, wow, what an opportunity to share the goodness of God. And I was like, that's not usually what I think. When someone says, how would you get to Minnesota? Some of you don't think goodness of God when you think Minnesota, but you do. And so tell me a little bit, how did that happen and what, what is your story? So how did you get to Minnesota and how is that good? Yeah, so um, you know anybody who's known me for more than five minutes probably knows this because uh, I, I share my story a lot. But it started off at the beginning. It was a uh, Easter Sunday in Albuquerque, New Mexico, 1993. I was born at a very early age. And, uh, but part of the reason that I actually share that is my dad's a pastor and, um, that explains a lot. Yeah. So, and on that Sunday morning, actually the, the church announced, uh, like I said, it was Easter and the church announced, oh, pastor George's son was born. Um, and then it, this is a big church, second service psych. Actually, he wasn't third service. Okay. He was born for real this time, <laughs> but, um, you know, being a pastor's kid, you really, uh, you live in a little bit of a glass house. And so I got really good at um, living two lives a lot growing up. I felt like my actions, if I did something wrong, um, was going to reflect directly against my dad and then against the church. And that was really scary. So, um, you know, I got really good at living my church life and living my second life uh, outside of that view. Um, and, but part of the blessing of that is growing up in the church was really foundational in me learning who Jesus is and learning more about who Jesus is. But fast forward um, till I started going to college and I moved to a different town. And at that point in my life, I really started to experiment with drugs and alcohol um, and really developed a pretty serious drinking problem. Uh, but along with that, becoming a master of living two lives, I, during that time, I also got married to my wife, Heaven. Uh, many of you know her. Um, and so after we got married, it's pretty hard to hide uh, your drug and alcohol addiction from your wife when you're you know, living with this person. But uh, that was something I was really able to, to keep hidden from her before we got married. And so through that first year of our marriage, things were, were pretty dark. Um, you know, it was really starting to reveal that I had a serious drinking problem, uh, several times drinking myself into the hospital uh, where she would show up at home and I'd be passed out. She couldn't wake me up. Um, and I was, I was depressed, pretty suicidal. And there was, uh, an instance where she found an empty bottle in my car and confronted me again. Um, you know, did you drink again? And, uh, this is at a point where I thought to myself, if I tell one more lie, I'm going to kill myself. I can't, I can't live this way anymore. So I called my dad and I said, Hey, I'll do anything you ask me to do. Um, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. I'm ready. I'm ready to get clean. And his brother, my uncle, worked at a treatment center in South Minneapolis over on 28th and Cedar, Metro Hope. So I called my uncle and he said, uh, if you can get here, we have a bed for you. So at that time, I was a senior in college. I had 12 credits left to graduate. Um, my wife and I had been married about a year. 
or a little over a year. And I went into the dean of my school and said, I'm out. Um, I'm not going to finish. Like that day? That day. And uh, I went to my boss and said, hey, I, I want to be professional, but I can't really give you two weeks notice. I got to go. And uh, the next day I got on a plane and flew out. And I uh, went to Metro Hope. It was a six-month program. And during that time, my wife uh, moved back to my hometown and stayed with some people at the church I grew up in. Um, and after that program, I said to, said to heaven, I, you know, I don't think I should go back to Colorado. Uh, what do you think about coming out here? And she said, you know, if that's what you think you got to do, then let's do it. So after she moved out here, that's when we started to go to Hope. And um, I shared a little bit of my story with uh, Pastor Tim, who was the worship pastor at the time, and said, you know, hey, I'm, I do music. Uh, you know, I'd like to serve in this way, but I don't really want to get on stage. Um, so he linked me up with the children's ministry. And I, for about five years at Hope Downtown, I played music for pre-K through second grade. And my very first class I taught for about three years, Zariah, your daughter yes. was yeah. in that class. And uh, yeah, fast forward six-ish years um, at Hope, and here I am today. That's incredible. Um, give us a little peek into like, where did you see... Uh, just got in that and, and working through you, even like, how is that, as we're thinking sanctification, um, what has God done in you in, in that part of your story? Yeah, I, I think a lot about, um, just even when you, were, when you were talking about, just the concept of like taking up your cross daily. And I think so much of that, that's like such a recovery principle. You know, we talk about one day at a time, like God willing, I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and hopefully I don't drink tomorrow, we'll see. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of what that looks like is learning how to, to take up your cross daily. There, there's an old hymn that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And that's like a prayer every morning of saying, you know, uh, I've been sober almost seven years. Tomorrow, um, I'm going to wake up and look at Jesus, and I'm going to look at my kids uh, I'm going to look at my wife and look at everything that God's given back to me um, through this process of sanctification and, and knowing that, that he has a plan for me and just really looking at how good he is and uh, how that should impact the way that I live. Yeah. Um, one of the things I was impacted by you last week as we talked um, after church is you just shared how important it is that we share our stories and how like that's really what has impacted many people. I, I think a lot of us would probably say hearing stories really move us, right? Just in life. And so hearing people's stories is often what's moved a lot of us in our faith. Um, and even that's sometimes the thing that's pulled us out of that weariness and that losing heart. Um, and you, you had a few things that I think were really helpful. What do you think about that? Like, well, how is it, why is it important? Because you're someone who is very open often about sharing your story, even very personal things. And why is that important to you? Why are you willing to do that? Yeah, uh, you know, the Bible says we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And, um, you know, people ask us questions all the time. Uh, you know, everybody in this room is probably going to go to work tomorrow. And somebody's going to ask you, hey, what did you do this weekend? And you could say, you know, you just kicked it. Or, you know, <laughs> you, you went to church. You got to hang out with, with your friends and family, like other believers in church. Our stories are impactful. Um, and all of us have ways that our stories intertwine with the way that, that Jesus has changed us. And so what I found for me is, you know, there's, 
there's several common themes throughout my, my life in ways that I see that Jesus has intersected with that story. So when people ask, how did you end up in Minnesota? I could choose to say, oh, I came out here for work. Or, oh, I don't know, you know, life happens, I came here. Or I could just tell them the truth. Um, and part of that is if, if I really believe that God is who he says he is, then I have to believe that I am who God says that I am. And he says that I'm redeemed. He, you know, he doesn't see me as Josh the alcoholic. He sees me as Josh's son. And if I truly believe that, then that means my story matters. And so when people ask me those questions, uh, rather than, than dodging the question, I'll just tell them the truth. Uh, how did, you know, how did you... Uh, end up in Minnesota. Well, I'm an alcoholic. I came here for treatment, you know, and telling the story of the way that God saved me. Similarly, like, you know, my wife was 19 years old, married to a guy. She had no idea who he was. And uh, when people ask our story, she has the opportunity to share with people um, the way that she chose faithfulness. Um, and similarly, I was able to experience God's faithfulness through the way that she's continued to love me through that time. Um, you know, people ask how we met. And you know, her youth group came out to my, in Oregon, came out to my hometown in Colorado. And I get to share with people, my dad's a pastor. It's another way of just, you know, I could tell people, oh, like we met on Facebook or, oh, you know, we just met, like <laughs> yeah, whatever story, yeah. but I can just tell them the truth about, you know, my dad being a pastor. And uh, so I really think it's just a matter of, uh, yeah, not, not dodging the obvious answers that can really show people the way that God's intersected in our life. Uh, that's so true. I've been so moved by many, many people here, uh, just hearing how God, what God's doing. It does something different to your heart than just, just hearing that fact, but hearing it in, in someone's life and how they've changed. Oh, that's really encouraging. I, I've been encouraged by you for the many years we've known you guys, just hearing those stories and hearing even our daughters come home. And we get impacted by your story through our daughters. You, you're teaching our daughters in Sunday school and and Zariah comes home and tries to explain what an alcoholic is, however you described it to her. They're like, Josh used to do things he shouldn't do, and it hurt him. And then God has helped him in his heart, and you think, how cool is this that she's hearing that story? And uh, you've had to figure out how to say that to a kid without saying alcoholic, right? So uh, like, like, she comes home and hears that and goes, God did something in him. Like, he's powerful enough to help him. And then, and then we're praying at our dinner table for people who are hurting, and part of that's because she believes that because she's heard it from your story, right? And what a, how incredible is that? I think, and that's that's uh, challenging and convicting to hear. Like, what if we just tell the truth, and that truth is what God's doing? I love it. I have one other thing I want you to do since you're up here. I have one more slide. Can you guys click that in the back for me? I don't have the clicker. Okay, these are the words to a song we're about to sing. You're about to help lead us in this song. Um, how deep the Father's love for us. And uh, uh, I think these words tell a story. So one of the things that we do, we love to sing. But these, and these songs do something to us. And often, it's because they're telling a story too. I'd love to just hear, we don't often get the chance of our worship leader sitting here with a microphone talking. Usually you're singing. Uh, no one knows that. Um, so I'd love for you just to share, like, what do these words mean? Why, why, do you, why do we sing these words? And maybe just to give us a little more so as we sing it, it maybe will sink even deeper into our heart. Yeah, I think when I look at these lyrics, something that uh, comes to my mind that I think about when I play this song actually is, it was, I was maybe in treatment, it was my first week there. And I don't really, we have to turn in our phone so I don't have a lot of contact with 
my spouse or my family. And, but for 30 minutes a day, I could get on the phone. So I, I called Heaven, my wife, and she you know, asked me like, hey, you know, like, what is your relationship with Jesus looking like now that you're there? And I kind of shared with her like, you know, I don't, I don't really know how to pray. I can't, I'm having a hard time praying. I feel like I've spent the last, you know, four years of my life has been a lie. And she said like, Josh, talk to Jesus like he's been there the whole time because he has. Um, he was always there. When, when you were sitting in your car in the dark parking lot, you know, chugging a fifth of whiskey, like he was sitting right there with you. He never left you. He never uh, forsaked you. And, and I think about that, like how deep the father's love for us, that he'd be willing to sit there with me in that, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch's treasure. That even in those moments of me clearly living outside of his plan for me or his will for me, that he loved me so much um, and that Jesus was willing to come and die for that um, and that he was there the whole time. So it wasn't a matter of, you know, God didn't say, I'll wait for you to get your life together and then I'll enter into your story. But my wife's incredible reminder in that moment of he was there the whole time. So you can talk to him like he was there the whole time. That's good. I will not not think of that now every time I uh, we sing this. Well, thank you, Josh. Thanks for sharing. I'll, uh, if the worship team wants to come up, we're going to sing together. Uh, be reminded of these good things. I'll move these. Um, a couple things as we take some time to reflect now um, is uh, we're, we're going to take time to reflect and consider these uh, things. Uh, consider the gospel and just continue to be transformed. We do that through a few things here at Hope. Out in the hallway, we have uh, communion. Uh, we try to keep food and drink out of this room for the school. And so there's communion in the hallway. It's an opportunity to be reminded of Christ's sacrifice. That, that wonderful exchange where he took uh, brokenness and death and shed his blood uh, so that we would have a story, so we would have a testimony, as Josh had said. Um, we also have people uh, willing to pray for you. So in the back of the room, there's people standing. They would love to pray for you. Please take them up on that uh, for anything. Uh, and you can just ask for prayer even if you don't know what um, or if you don't want to share what. They would love to pray for you. And lastly, just a few things to reflect on. Um, and maybe you just want to sit and reflect and pray uh, while we sing. Do you know you have a wonderful story with Jesus? Uh, that might be a thing you don't know. Maybe you think you need to be reminded of today is a great day to say yes to Jesus. Yes, I, wanna, I, I want that exchange in my life uh, and put faith in Christ. Maybe just consider what part of your story causes you to grow weary or lose heart. Just confess that. That might be an opportunity to ask for prayer. What's making you grow weary right now that you can ask God for uh, strength in? Consider who runs with you. Uh, who are those that are helping you? This isn't a thing we do alone or can do alone. And then maybe even just who this week gets to hear how Jesus has changed your story. When someone asks you how your weekend was, who do you get to tell the truth to this week? Consider that. Maybe you can just pray who, who are those people. Maybe God will even put someone in mind that you get to tell that great truth. You only pray for us and then our team will lead us in some worship. Uh, Lord, thank you for your goodness that you have brought us into this story. Uh, this incredible story you... We've run from you and you pursued us and pursued us and you were with us and your love is so enormous. You haven't left us even while we were just a mess and broken. Thank you that you don't leave us. 
I pray as we sing these words, say we'd be reminded of that, that we would fix our eyes on you, that we would continue running towards you, that maybe today we're feeling weary or losing heart or we're feeling a little hurt or we're limping or maybe we've kind of gone off the race route. Uh, I pray right now as we sing these next few minutes that you'd redirect us, you'd reinvigorate us, you'd give us strength and we would continue to fix our eyes and move towards you. We pray these in your good name, amen.